Welcome back, everyone, to Move the Bowl, Please, a podcast hosted by yours truly, Sandra. We are at the third installment, guys. Wow. Look at us. Look at us. Who would have thought? Um, I hope everyone is doing well or better than yesterday. I am certainly doing something. <laughs> um, so I had been thinking... Uh, there's a couple things in my mind that, that are always kind of running around, you know? There's always things running around, running around town in my mind. And one thing that I have really dug back into, I, I, I dug deep in the crates. Not really, but I've been I've been listening to some really, really great, awesome music. And I was like, damn, why is my taste in music so good? <laughs> I said, whoa who put this on and then it was me who put it on and then I had to say wow I had to say wow look at me look at her I was actually uh reminded of this thought that I had back in November um I was uh as one would say elevated and I was listening to some music and the music was bumping it was hitting it was doing all it needed to do and i said wow this is really killing it this is such a good song what song is this again oh yeah it's park by isaiah rashad now i have listened to this song and a couple other songs from sun's tirade so much um sun's tirade is such a good project and i remember listening to it um yeah, mainly like the final years of high school, I want to say, um, and most of first and second year, I was just bumping it, bumping it, bumping it, bumping it, and I didn't really realize, but there's a part in the song where Isaiah is basically saying like, um, why are you acting timid as fuck and I'm trying to be Nicki Minaj? Don't quote me on that because I am not good at rapping. But he basically had a bar saying to someone, why the, Why are you trying to hold me down when I'm trying to be like as hard as Nicki Minaj? Y'all, did y'all catch that? Did y'all catch that? I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if it sank for me for so long that when I listened to it again, I said, wow. And especially like knowing Isaiah before and after his outing, I was so relieved to kind of understand why I liked him so much. Cause he's one of us. <laughs> now listen, now listen, now listen, now listen, now listen. I will never be the kind of person who will try and say that being queer or being any kind of thing that isn't hetero is something that can be clocked or something that can be something that can be um clearly perceived many people live their lives and they're just who they are and their queerness doesn't really always have to be front and center for them um, but it does inform, to me, a pretty big deal of their art-making process. And as an artist myself, I am very, very, very proud to say that I am not straight. And I'm not straight in the way that, like, I'm not really 
going to be captured or, you know, impressed by what we deem to be commercial. Um, now, that's a big caveat because that brings in a lot of other things that touches upon many kinds of concepts. But just to be brief and just to be clear, um, I think for this case, for Isaiah Rashad, um, parts of himself as a person were very apparent in the music. I'm sorry, no no cishet man is just going to randomly mention Nicki Minaj in a way that's actually like trying to uplift her as a person within rap. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. And for the most part, the history of rap has been just fully, you know, covered in many isms, right? Most of the isms that we know to this day are very developed within the rap aesthetic. <laughs> it's it's very clear and I'll, and I'll touch on that a little bit today, but um, I thought specifically the reason why there must have been a reason why I liked Isaiah so much. And I think it's because of his ability to just be very honest in the music. And that's why people love him so much. And that's why so many of us now that are growing up and, you know, becoming adults um, and becoming more progressive and tolerant. I hate that word. I don't know why I said that word. That's such an ugly word, Loki. Not tolerant, but being... um being uh you know open to the way that people live their lives and not being rigid in you know our ways of being i think the fact that many young people now don't have a problem with anyone who is queer or gay has really shown how much music has also gone with that change in attitude but let's Let's bring it back a little bit. Let's bring it back a little bit. Let's bring it back a little bit. First of all, the fact that Isaiah Rashad Loki admitted that he was a barb and 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 he made all of y'all niggas rap that shit for so long. All you niggas who think that you're listening to Isaiah Rashad and you're not listening to to anyone who's into female rap. Yeah, that's so funny, isn't it? That's so funny. And it's also so funny that Nicki Minaj is also like one of the best lyricists that, of this generation. But I digress. I digress. I digress. Um, I thought that was such a, you know, it was such a clear like um, departure from typical hip hop rap, right? Like for the most part in most of her rap history and, and rap, uh, and hip hop did turn, uh, 50 years old last year. So in, in this genre, that's about half a century old, the majority of it has always been disparaging and dismissive and not a safe space for any femme of any kind. So people like Nicki Minaj and other pioneers of her time, uh, you know, before and after her have really continued to open up the genre to so many different kinds of iterations and creative, uh, you know, elasticity. It's just gotten so much more funner to rap. You know what I mean? Um, and Isaiah's like playfulness and his different ways of getting into grooves are so cool. They're just cool as hell. And Anytime he's in interviews, you can tell that that just comes from his honest feeling and his honest way of navigating life. And I think that's super awesome, you know? Like, that's that's my jam. 
because personally for me as an artist um i always find the most interesting and most engaging things to be the challenging bits of making art right um and i don't want to say that like i there's like this like Someone, and I think it's like it's part of like this romantic era of art that uh, kind of leached into the rest of the the time frame that we're in in, in this specific timeline. Um, but as much as I don't want to come off as someone who just always loves to suffer, <laughs> you know, I think the most dynamic parts of life uh, as a human being are the things that will challenge us, right? Like the things that make us investigate who we are, the things that question what we do, the things that allow us to experiment, um, to be open, to allow for failure and to, you know, have space for honesty. I think those concepts within art elevated to such like a godly level, like it it's like spiritual at that point, right? And that I feel like that's like the sacredness of expressing yourself as an artist. And so in my, in my, uh, in my baked little rant that I recorded over a month ago, I kind of came to part of the conclusion for my, you know, my, uh, my mind was blown by the way, when I realized that, that Isaiah was saying like, I'm trying to be like, like Dicky Minaj, like my mind was blown. And I kept thinking about, well, where else could a rapper have a song out like that other than TDE? TDE is a independent indie label that houses rap artists who are black. Like that in itself, an indie art label that has uh, basically almost exclusively, uh, well, that's a lie, I don't know, but that has a um that has a very prominent uh rapper uh repertoire um the fact that that kind of artist is able to thrive in that space already lets me know that whoever was behind the scenes you know working at TDE the folks that are there are really trying to let the artists express themselves freely and whenever you think about the history of hip hop and the commodification of black suffering, like if it wasn't going to sound like NWA, if it wasn't going to sound like Eminem, if it wasn't going to sound like, you know, my fucking um, Biggie and shit, then it was going to be a hard sell for most of these labels. But these indie labels that aren't really... Um, you know, trying to fully recoup, that aren't trying to limit artists, that aren't trying to censor artists. I think those are the labels that really make the best environment for artists to be as awesome and as innovative and as interesting as they can be. And I, TDE is such an awesome thing as, as a concept. So yeah, it's a it's a label that is powerhoused to the max. It's a, it's, it's a super saiyan type of vibe over there. A very very uh you know, creatively rich. So 
it only makes sense that they'd have such a vast and an amazing and honestly industry industry changing um roster of artists so thinking about that too i was like well let me learn a bit more about tde um and so learning that kendrick lamar and uh day free who used to be the president of tde um learning about their specific role within the the space um at tde just also led me to learn more about pg lang or actually it was the reverse i was looking at pg lang and then thinking about uh tde and how those two entities kind of mirror each other in a couple ways um and i think it's because of Dave Free's uh, specific vision of art and how art should be, um, you know, translated out into the world. So I went through a little tiny rabbit hole and basically Kendrick and Dave Free joined TDE in the early 2000s. Um, and they were both working together a lot at this time. I think Dave Free used to be a producer and then he started working at TDE um, as a producer at the time, making beats with uh, Kendrick Lamar. And I'm assuming that from those first like interactions, they were just basically inseparable. And afterwards, uh, Dave Free got more involved in TDE and ended up becoming the president there. And that was around the time that Kendrick kept, you know, refining his craft as a rapper and like continually making really big, um, influential works within the time. You know, uh, early, early Kendrick, I don't know much about, but from Good Kid, Mad City up to um untitled unmastered because that was the last time i really followed a kendrick project I, no i'm lying to you i got into damn i did get into damn yeah i got into damn later on and i think damn Ooh, whoa yeah <laughs> so i think damn was another really big step even after to pimp a butterfly but there was this one, uh, I think it was an interview somewhere where Kendrick was talking about how for a while um, he had been trying to, at least in his early career, he had been trying to find a way to manufacture a hit song. You know what I mean? This is also around the time that like shows like Empire. <laughs> Listen, I love Empire, but holy crap, like that sensation of having a hit song um, I think that was something really big at the time. And you're thinking of people like Drake and people like Future and uh, Young Thug, all these people making really hit big bangers. You can only assume that someone like Kendrick is really trying to gun for that. And then he realized that him trying to force a hit song was not going to work. He needed to kind of let it happen, right? Um, and as one does when you're doing any kind of art you can't force an idea out of you it must come out organically and so um he realized that after good kid mad city and ended up making two pimp a butterfly which is to date probably his most successful and most critically acclaimed work um it's not my favorite project of his but a lot of people love it 
and I have and there's some joints on there that are undeniable. You can't undeny you, sorry, you can't deny some of the some of the songs on that album, classics. And so thinking about that, having that in mind, um, I was watching a couple things um that had Isaiah talking about him as a person and his work and even like kind of went a bit down in his like uh you know his older videos and his older interviews um and just seeing him as a person like you can see someone like him progress slowly but surely into the stage that he is now and and um I think it's really cool the internet is really like a powerful tool to let us go back into the past and see things and have an even more clear, you know, understanding of where we are now. Um, and you were saying how, so the house is burning is a project of his that I had always listened to, but I didn't also, I also didn't realize how much I enjoyed listening to it. <laughs> um, after you know listening to park and being like oh my god it's so good i started listening to the house is burning and i remember like adding the whole album in my library but i hadn't really sat down with it a lot um and but every time that it would come on um on one of my playlists i would just be like oh my god this is so good so when he was talking about you know creating the house is burning a little bit of that story was that there was many points during, you know, obviously the pandemic, but even prior to that, um, that he was kind of trying to figure himself, himself out as a person, as any person does, you know, a lot of uh, space in between uh, projects can kind of be really crucial for an artist. If the refractory period for making a work is too short, it can really be apparent. Um, if you wait too long sometimes that can even be to your detriment but having time within projects is really important and he noticed that um when he was talking about the house is burning and even talking about how the title came to him after making the song the house is burning which is one of the last songs on the album um and he was also talking about not marinating or not ruminating too much about how something sounds because at the end of the day it should be something that just comes right out of you as soon as you hear the beat um and he said that he did that for a lot of songs like for dark side um and i'm pretty sure the garden or this this garden um that has a little uzi vert which the song is so it's so crazy it's the second song and it's already like it's like smacking you in the face it's it's such a good it's such a good uh it's such a good uh sequence so yeah i think that was also a big component to this project and so within that same like line of thought the fact that the president of tde you know um, had laid that foundation and it's, I'm pretty sure it's not just him, but, you know, having a leader who has, um, more of an organic mindset when it comes to making artwork is going to inherently make it less commercial in nature, but not less effective. Um, and commercialization of art is really like, it's sad. It's sad because it kind of makes the artist no longer, 
uh, you know, um, it, it kind of takes away the agency that an artist can have for their work and it makes it so they make stuff that that's just asked of them because that's what they that's what the label wants and that's what the label thinks will recoup them in you know investing in you as a person it's it's really shitty and um, so when I learned about PG Lang and then kind of like the reason why it came to be um, a direct quote from the actual website of their first ever, you know, uh, post was basically saying that um, PG Lang recognized that only a few contemporary, this is, this is the quote, only a few contemporary creators have figured out uh, how to speak the evolving language of this generation without fading into the white noise or pre-assigned market share. P.G. Lang is designed to be an artist friendly above all else uh, and embrace both quality and unconventional concepts. This ethos will be applied to an array of creators who will join P.G. Lang, uh, including authors, film and television directors, fine artists, producers, musicians, yada, yada, yada. That's literally what it says. Um, you've all heard this shit before. So you are an artist you have um you know you have a different way of being you have a different way of seeing the world and your label your handlers your employer also has that same ethos that will make all of the work that you make shine and that kind of unorthodox way of being and creating is what i think isaiah rashad and most of the people at tde already naturally had um, it, it's like a cosmic, like it's a cosmic uh, event basically. Um, and I love these kinds of con concepts, right? Because one day we'll look back at these, you know, these times and, and realize how influential they were for the future crop of artists and creators and overall, uh, culture makers. Right. And yeah, man, black art is so beautiful and it's so innovative and it's always pushing a label. It's always um, innovating within the realm and context of capitalism and white supremacy that we live in. Um, and actually speaking on that, so there's so many things happening in this episode, but let me know if y'all are following. But there is this clip, this old clip, of Kanye West uh, talking to or in an interview talking to someone and saying that the antithesis of hip-hop is gay so just 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 think about it for one second Kanye West who we know now as someone who is almost diametrically opposed to how most of us live life and how most of us view life was at one point in time calling out the homophobia within hip-hop. Do you know how insane that sounds? Do you know how crazy that sounds? That sounds like the Twilight Zone, but that's a real thing that happened. Google it. And I think the one thing that's so crazy and so sad to me is that hip-hop is a genre in itself that has always been fighting and talking and, and trying to advocate for the liberation of people who are oppressed, such as black folk. And to have such a antithetical 
portion of that genre be homophobia and it really reared its ugly head i feel in the 90s it just became super commonplace to just see so much of it be be peace be to be so pervasive but to have someone like kanye west a new and young and -and up-and-coming rapper who was making waves like globally for his artwork like his artwork literally like the music that he made was art and at that time most people will, will see that as his best era but the fact that he was calling out that key component of hip-hop at the time is also so apparent like and so um it was so ahead of its time and so astute like it's like the best observation that you could really say um as someone who makes rap right and not a lot of rappers were even going to try and touch that you know after that i watched a clip of vlad tv talking to talking to the game and the game was talking about how like you know like there's some there's some dudes who are some man fans (laughs) there are some man fans out there and i'm like yeah there are of course there are it's rap it's art you're gonna see you you can't escape them (laughs) they're everywhere um the queers are everywhere yeah but like it's 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 impossible to try and say that an entire genre would never um make space for the people that helped built it and helped create it and literally vlad was like well do you think you've ever worked with a gay artist before and he was like yeah i guess i might have i didn't even know maybe they're in the closet but like i i must have at this point and and it's true so many of them um are not open or ready to to be public with their um orientation but at the same time the contributions that gay artists have made to the genre has only increased um through their visibility right um you know throw in the the little Nas X Illuminati conspiracy right now you know that that whole entire thing will never leave but at the end of the day queer artists have affected all parts of life and music is not excluded to that and I think the biggest thing the biggest um what's the word the biggest oppositional force Uh, that goes against artists being open about their sexuality is commercialization. It is not commercially viable, at least it used to not be, to have openly gay artists uh, talk about or even allude to their sexuality up until recently. And the the changes within the times have been awesome and great to witness. Um, but I can't wait for there to be an even wider, you know, floodgates opening for people to feel comfortable to come out of hiding. Cause like, like the game said, man, he don't respect gay people who hide in the closet. <laughs> that, that, that interview was low key problematic, but he was saying some things. He, he said a couple things. Interestingly enough, I think there also is some kind of a case to be made um, about blackness also being inherently queer. I don't want to scare anyone, (laughs) but we live in a white supremacist society um, that is, uh, you know, uh, what's the word, craned 
by uh, capitalism. So, so many things about being a black person, being a, a woman, being, uh, you know, anything but thin, uh, being uh, not traditionally feminine or masculine, all of those things, all of those things, those are not commercially viable. <laughs> and that's why certain things are sold to us for a specific reason. But, you know, that's another thing for another day. All right. We won't get into that right now. But I think the fact that uh, these companies like PG Lang and TDE, um, uh, even like, you know, the concept of a show like Atlanta existing, all of those spaces allow for the non-commercialization or they don't uh, put that as like the driving force for the way that they do things. It's about exploration and openness and trying to be creatively courageous. I think those kinds of things are really apparent um, within black art, mainly because the most influential ones are usually the ones that take risks, that don't try to assimilate to trends, that listen to their internal voice and let it out. Um, and afterwards, it will be copied. It will be reproduced in some way, but the real artists who are trying to do themselves the honor of being honest, they take inspiration from other things, but they find a way to also make it their own. And The House is Burning is a lot of different kinds of grooves and musics and sounds and collaborative, you know, opportunities that uh, Isaiah just mentioned to say, or he just you know, um, found all of those people who he collaborated with to be making awesome music. And I think that's like the biggest thing about making art is that you need to make shit that you like and that you are feeling like, and that really excites you. And that can be through working with many people. It can be through just doing it all on your own if that's what you want, but it has to be true to you or else it's not gonna land. Um, and I'm so glad that we have artists like, like Isaiah, you know, he was, he would often just, uh, or in the interviews that I've seen him in, he would say that he listens to a lot of his old stuff, but he's also always trying to create new things and he's always working on stuff. Um, whether it's working, you know, in, in the background, uh, or if it's like releasing any kind of work out into the public, I think artists who are preoccupied with creating, they have to go through stages of growth and um, change. And one thing that he did say that he was surprised about the house is burning is that so many people were so ready to like receive it, even though it was so much more different than his older work and take that creative risk. Artists are actually, they're in their, they're in their best element when they take creative risks and challenges. I think it it, it opens up like the third eye and like the flow state just starts going in there. I feel like that's what happens. There's no other answer to that. And we've seen that, you know, not only with, um, 
people like Isaiah, but I'm thinking about Tyler the Creator, Lil Uzi Vert, uh, you know, Young Thug, um, who else? Uh, Tisa Korean, <laughs> you know, my fucking uh, T Pain in early in his career, um, Lil Wayne, um, who else? Just so many artists who have been really taking like these different strides and using their specific ways of expressing themselves in their own style it's it's amazing and that's the only real way to get really interesting art and another 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 phenomenon that was really unique for its time too which was kind of coinciding with uh, the time that I was listening to Isaiah a lot like in my first and second year of university was Brockhampton I remember when Brockhampton came out uh like this was like what like 2017 2018 yeah, that was a really specific time too. It had just been like the end of the odd future era and this group of guys all come together and they start making music after all moving in with each other and just deciding on a whim to create a boy band, but with rappers and singers and, and producers and, and all it being just a kind of like a generative space, basically like you know you and the homies just living together and trying to make music and they were inspired by people like Kanye and um, other innovative people like Tyler and I think that's one really awesome thing about the internet too is that so many more so many more people are able to collaborate and share and feed off of each other in order to create music that they want to hear and that's honest to them and that will reach audiences you know and women in rap as well have also been doing this work um i have also dipped back into my rico nasty bag i am deep in that bag again um i was also listening to rico around my first i'm 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 literally just like divulging back into the music i used to listen to like a couple years back but i have good i have really awesome taste guys i don't know what to tell you um also people like dochi people like uh young baby tate uh tiara whack little sims um who else is there you know um so many interesting rappers who made so many interesting different takes on um you know some of the concepts already developed by Nicki Minaj and by uh, Foxy Brown and by um Lil Kim you know the the heavy hitters it's all it's always going to be a continuation of those experimental even Kaya with my neck my back um and you put the trust in a nigga stupid hoe how you figure she really said that and megan the stallion just continued that you know like and that new megan song cobra is another huge step for female rap because it's another venture into the things that make art really good which is honesty um so yeah, I think this this kind of music and this kind of, um, I want to say it, the queerification of rap has only, you know, it's it's only seen or it's only um, resulted in the most interesting and innovative uh, new steps for the genre and and re, like it's kind of um, re reinvented itself for 
so many people who might not have even taken the chance or the time to really listen to rap music. And um, so FD Signifier made a video about white rappers. I watched it and I was really happy to hear that he, uh, you know, he brought up Marlon Craft because uh, that's another artist that that's another artist that's doing the thing. Um, but he was talking about how there was a very clear change in the way people uh, interfaced with rap as it became more commercial, aka as it became more white. Um, and the fact that Eminem, as talented as he is, is one of the most uh, popular rappers of all time really lets me recognize that at the end of the day, um, because of white supremacy and the space that we are in as a culture, uh, all I'm going to say is Eminem set the tone for a lot of rap for a while. And Eminem also brought in a very large uh, chunk of white audiences to start giving rappers and rap music a chance. And so that specific change in rap history really brought it to where it is now. Um, And I think that sort of thing is kind of, I don't know, it's a little bit hard to to wrap your head around sometimes just because most people will scream and cry if you try and say anything about the origins of most popular music genres but the the backbone and the creative uh, experimental aspects of genres of music that have been created by black people are often stifled because of capitalism and white supremacy and um, you know he- hegemony in general um, and that always that always makes me think like I wonder if Isaiah had been making music around the time that Eminem was making music would we have known about him would we have been able to benefit and have the opportunity to listen to what he has to say? I don't know. That bothers me. A good amount. Yeah. And I think it's really, like, it's counterintuitive as an artist to find ways to not be honest and to bypass the... I want to say the responsibility of making music and making art that is real, you know. And Isaiah has also also often stated that for the people who know him in his life, all the lyrics and the songs that he makes will make sense. And for the people who aren't that close to him, just enjoy the music because it's good shit. <laughs> and I think that's so awesome. I think that's a really healthy boundary to also have right and that artistic and poetic way of talking about what's happening in your life and being able to process it at the same time I think it's just it's a skill it's a big skill and you can tell when artists are making stuff that they have zero heart in and that they have zero skin in the game making it it just becomes really becomes really it has no shelf life at all 
it, it has zero uh it has zero you know buy or what is it, it has zero real estate zero buying power in in the collective you know mind um and for the people who are there to witness your art making um they won't really be able to take away much from you so i think one of the main things that i really just love about artists who know how to make the thing that comes out of them out of their true self is that the the music never gets old the music never gets old i've literally i've been listening to isaiah for a very long time and i will keep doing it <laughs> it will not get old it will not get old to me no sir so yeah so keep supporting queer artists keep supporting black queer artists they are so important um, and I hope that more labels adopt the same uh, kind of uh, methodology that PG Lang and TDE and any other really cool, open, free place um, adopts, you know? You, you, you want to have people who are able to say the truth um, and can only really do that if you let people be who they are so that being said like and subscribe uh keep keep an eye out for any more of the things that i do and there's a possibility that uh you know there's gonna be another episode um i'm thinking about doing something that's about that uh fd signifier kind of like a little bit of a response video i don't know y'all let me know if i should do that um anyway bye